What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. I am Dan Malin, joined by James Grande. As always, this is the Fantasy Alarm 2-Minute Drill Podcast, recapping the biggest news and storylines from Week 10 of the 2022 NFL season. Grande, how was Week 10 for you? Um, So Week 10 was not, uh, not great, and um, I made a slight error with a pivot I went away from that cost me a lot of money, that cost me a lot of fantasy points uh, in DFS. I pivoted to Juju Smith-Schuster, <laughs> um, and I also had uh, Zay Jones, who was not bad. And I, and I stacked Jaguars Chiefs um, with Patrick Mahomes at the under center. Um, but I pivoted, Dan, from Christian Kirk and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So I made a colossal error uh, in judgment, and I would have <clears throat> had a very good week. Um, so it was bad. I did almost win a GPP for basketball on Saturday. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. So that was well done. nice. Thank you, thank you. Um, I did also, my, my NHL DFS career has come to an end. I cashed, <laughs> I cashed for four. four Short-lived. Uh, my first four appearances in the NHL DFS world, I cashed. Uh, night number five did not, so I called it there. It was uh, too much for me to overcome the loss. Um, but, uh, yeah, NFL DFS, not very forgiving this week. And uh, I'm already ready to move on. We're on to Cincinnati, Dan. That's uh, as your old, our old pal Bill Belichick once said. I actually had a pretty good week, even though it felt like in my head I was just having a down week. Um <laughs> I made I did three lineups for tournaments. I didn't play cash once again because uh, cash games just proved to be a massive trap in, in NFL this season. Um, I basically went followed Howard's advice in his playbook. If you read his playbook this week, he pretty much touched on he was only playing three quarterbacks, and it was Patrick Mahomes, Justin Fields, and Tua. Uh, those were the three that I built around. Uh, two of my three cashed fairly comfortably. Um, I had one lineup put up over 190 points. So it wasn't a massively uh, dominant or, or like just a huge week, but it was still profitable. So we won't ever really complain about that. Um, season long also went really well too, uh, which is strange because I really got hit hard by bye weeks. So week 10, you know, it, it wasn't a ceiling week. It was a good week overall, but, you know, we have plenty to talk about. I think we can just start with the game of the year so far. Uh, we were all kind of worried heading into this game. Uh, Bills, Vikings, Josh Allen might sit out, might miss the game. Reports at about 11.30, between 11.30 and 12 o'clock on Sunday, we're saying that Josh Allen was on the field, but or he was, he was active, but he wasn't on the field at first. Then he was on the field, but then there were still people trying to make big news out of the fact that Case Keenum had like a play call sleeve on his arm, but who really cares about that? Uh, Josh Allen still played. He was awesome. If if he's active, you just have to play him in season-long fantasy. I still think he had like a 20-plus point week. Yep. Um, had three turnovers. That'll happen. Uh, I think I believe he does lead the league this year in interceptions. Yep. Um, <laughs> I am embarrassed to say, though, that I slept through basically uh, the last 10 minutes of quarter number two, slept through all of quarter number three, and most of the fourth quarter as well. <laughs> so... I missed a lot of the excitement and the drama. I did see the controversial Gabe Davis catch, uh, but then the Vikings went on and still stole the win in overtime on a crucial interception at the end of the game. 
But I'm going to pose this to you because I saw this uh, stat on Twitter. I can't take credit for this, but I'm sure it's been discussed on other fantasy football podcasts as well. But since 2021, the start of the 2021 season, the Bills are 16-1 and in games decided by eight or more points and just two and eight in games decided by seven points or less. Do we have concerns that maybe Josh Allen is not a clutch quarterback? Um, no. Uh, I think uh, he ran into some unfortunate events in the playoffs, a.k.a. Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think yesterday was a little unlucky. The defense played tremendous, getting the back-to-back goal line stops. And then it was just like an awkward exchange on the one where like you don't really have any other option than what they did. Like, could they have gone shotgun? Sure. Mm-hmm. What if that fails? Like, then you're like, people are like, oh, why did they just sneak it out of the end zone? Right? Like, there's no win there for Buffalo um, because of what happened. I'm not not going to say that he's not clutch. Um, you know, I think that they've had some unfortunate um, luck. In, in certain stances, I think it's too early to to still say that he's not clutch. And uh, I think Josh Allen's going to get his in the playoffs and going to get his in big games. He can do anything he wants on the football field. But sometimes that does lead to, like, him trusting his arm too much and he makes throws that maybe he shouldn't have. And I think that's something that's still developing in, in Josh Allen's game and I think always will develop for, for players of his caliber. Like, when to not throw, make the throws that he tries to make that – only he can make, right? Like, there are a few people in the NFL that can make some of the plays that he can make. And I think sometimes he trusts his talent a little too much. And, you know, that's should. Which he should, right. But I think that sometimes leads to turnovers in, in bad spots. And um, I, I'm not going to go as far. I'm not going to go <clears throat> saying that it's not clutch. I will, though, however, as, a res- as the resident Giants fan of this podcast, like to go on record and say, I am okay with anybody that wants to say that Justin Jefferson's catch was, like, the best they've ever seen. Better than the Odell catch. Um, circumstantially. It was pretty damn awesome. It was it literally, was <laughs> like, and the thing about it was, like, not only did he catch it, not only was he stronger than the, the defender with two arms around the ball, as he was twirling to the ground, he's like, cuffed it and it never touched like how are you that insane of a human and like your brain and like everything working at that speed to just know what you're doing and like rotate your arm and put the ball where it is so it doesn't hit the ground like just like that dude is absolutely just different than everyone else like he is so different than anyone else moving on a football field um so that I will say, if anyone, and I'm a Giants fan, and I understand Odell Beckham literally broke the world when he made that catch down the sideline against the Dallas Cowboys, who they're going to beat in two weeks um, for a touchdown. Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, circumstantially, probably, maybe, maybe the greatest catch we've ever seen. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You, someone else can, can chime in there, Dan. You can chime in if you have anything better. But uh, that that was incredible. But no, I don't think Josh Allen is. Not clutch. Here's my concern with Allen, though, because I <clears throat> the physical gifts are there. I wonder if he can, I guess what I'm trying to say is read the room a little bit. Came into this game and he was questionable all week. 
uh, the, just the angle at which his elbow bent last week looked awkward. Yeah. He was yep. very fortunate to have avoided a serious injury, and he was still able to play. And a lot of the fantasy analysis was, well, he's he's one of the two best quarterbacks in this league, so play him no matter what, because he can still do plenty of damage on the ground with his legs. Right. But even when he's running, it's like he's out there seeking contact. And oh, he is, he's a psycho. He's built like an absolute brick house. Like he's 6'5". He's, he's just a human being for the quarterback position and so when you're out there and you're running just slide don't try to get contact with a linebacker don't try to throw the shoulder like you are a franchise quarterback you are destined to make hundreds of millions of dollars maybe even bring a super bowl or multiple to buffalo like protect yourself and just slide don't go out there and try to bang heads with you know an opposing linebacker you know some oversized like strong safety or whatever just be a superstar, stay healthy, and just slide. Don't run into anybody. That's the last thing I'll say because he, he's an outstanding talent and he's great for fantasy, and I would like to see him. <laughs> uh, but next, we'll actually move on to a more serious injury, but we did get some news before we started recording this podcast. It is Monday night at around 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Cooper Cup uh, looked to have a very disastrous ankle injury. It looked horrible. looked horrible. <clears throat> looked really bad. He was immediately... Uh, on the ground, grabbing the ankle on the sideline. Everyone kind of held their collective breath. Cooper Cup owners thought the season was over. Uh, X-rays and all those, like, tests they did, uh, they're all negative. So it does look like it's a high ankle sprain. That still does have a bit of a time frame. Uh, I'm guessing he would need at least three to four weeks, possibly as much as six. Uh, So for the time being, he will be absent. Now, we can get to replacements on the waiver wire shortly because we do have some other wide receivers that we're going to talk about. Uh, but with Cooper Cup out, do you have any interest or do we see a significant upgrade in the fantasy values of players like Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, or Tyler Higby? Just because I don't know if I can get too excited about any of these players except maybe Higby because he's developed the chemistry and has had plenty of targets from Matthew Stafford when he's been on the field. But overall, this offense looks... Like, it's done a complete 180 from where it was a year ago. Uh, Even on the defensive side of the ball, with all the talent that they have, and they're still pretty bad, um, I have a hard time justifying really upgrading anybody in this offense, uh, unless you feel differently. No, I think this offense is a disaster. Um, I mean, clearly, maybe, maybe thinking that Matt Stafford's elbow was fine prior to the year was a bad decision, and maybe not addressing that is you know rearing its ugly head right now because clearly there's an issue and it's been an issue from the get um i guess higby is fine like you're right i think especially given the the scarcity i would say at the position right dan like it's a it's a crap position like um tight end is a very bad position if you don't have one of the top guys and and one of the top guys you know has been hurt for the last couple weeks and mark andrews is making matters worse so um yeah, I think Higby could be an upgrade, especially if we see uh, Stafford under center, which he should be. I mean, I guess, you know, considering he was close to playing after being placed in concussion protocol in the middle of the week, it's a good sign he'll be back for the next game. But um, Higby's fine. I do like to see Van Jefferson get into the end zone. I think that was a, a good uh, thing to see for the Rams, considering he missed a lot of this uh, year when they didn't put him on IR to start the year and they were like, Oh, he's going to be back. And then he wasn't. And then took him he, forever. 
And then eight weeks, eight weeks in, they're like, oh, yeah, Ben Jefferson's back. It's like, oh, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe we should have considered that uh, in the first place. Um, Allen Robinson, no interest. Don't care if all these red zone targets he gets. They don't translate to anything. They don't translate into anything. Uh, I was in on the Allen Robinson bandwagon before the year. And you know what? Looking back, shame on us because, again, <clears throat> Stafford's elbow was barking from the jump. From the word go, Stafford's elbow um, was an issue. We knew it was an issue. And it seemingly, we seemingly didn't care. We thought the additions of Allen Robinson would make up for it. Um, so, you know, I think small upgrades to Higby, I think a small upgrade to Van Jefferson. The running running back position is literally terrible. Um, all the excitement out of Kyron Williams. Uh, one 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 rush. He had one rush yes, yesterday. So uh, he had, he did contribute in the passing game, but like not enough to be like, oh, rush to get Kyron Williams after waiver wire. Seems a dumpster fire. Uh, There's no chance they're catching. No chance they're catching the Niners. Um, no chance they catch Seattle. <laughs> They are probably going to finish last in this division. And, so uh, let's say that the team that they do finish last. Um, do we potentially see if this team is just out of the running? Do we even see them bring back Cup and risk further injuring him, or do we just maybe see them shutting it down? Because uh, as we know, the Rams don't really have anything to play for if they are out of it. It's not like they can improve yeah. their draft draft stock because I'm pretty sure they traded away their 2023 they first did. round pick anyway. So. You know, what incentive did they have to really bl- bring a player back? He's, they can't really play for draft position, but at the same time, they, they they have almost no shot at defending their Super Bowl. So, I don't no. know. There's there's just nothing for this team to play for. I think you're right. And and high ankle sprains are typically like the three- to six-week injury. So, if it's if it's bad, I mean, what, like, think about it realistically. Like, yes, they could beat the Saints if Stafford's under center, sure. They're not beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Uh, they have to play the Seahawks. They have to play. The, they have to go to Lambeau in December. Um, they have to go to face the Chargers on January in January. Like they're just there's like four losses like you can pencil in already based on just what the Rams have been. Like they're just not a good team this year. And um, maybe we see wholesale changes next year. But no, I don't know if we see Coop again. Dan, I think it's a good question. Uh, Cooper, sorry. Uh, Cup. I don't know my first name basis, so I'll just call him Cooper Cup. Um, but yeah, um, it's a good question. I'm not. I'm. I, you know, we don't know how severe it is, but typically the three to six week uh, time frame just kind of puts them out of play, and maybe we don't see him again. Well, all right, man. All right, now another wide receiver that was injured was Juju Smith Schuster. Was a DFS darling heading into Week Ten. Uh, the the hit he took was ugly. We were talking yeah. about it and how he assumed the fencing position that you see uh, associated with a lot of head injuries. Uh, so now the Chiefs are without Juju for this foreseeable future, at least for week 11. Are they on bye this week or did they already have their bye? Uh, they already have their bye. Okay. Uh, but either way, they're going to be without Juju. They will be without Mecole Hardman. We saw Kadarius Tony find the end zone. Was that his first career touchdown? Um, he didn't did he have score one with the Giants. The Giants? I, I don't think. I mean, he had the 189 yard game against the Cowboys. I don't know. Either uh, way, he uh, did not have no touchdowns. That was his first okay. touchdown. So, congratulations to him. But obviously, he is going to be a big waiver wire acquisition if he's still available. 
Um, do we think that he sees a much larger role taking shape going forward? I mean, it's almost like he has to be thrusted into a bigger role if it's because even Marquez Valdez-Scantling left uh, Sunday's game, but he did come back and had yeah. a decent game. I think he put up like 15 and a half fantasy points. Um, so really, the offense will, the passing game will still go through Travis Kelsey, but Kadarius Tony, do we think that there's a significant ceiling for him to possibly be a top 24 wide receiver rest of the season, maybe even top 20? Well, it's a good question. Uh, it's an interesting way to put it, too. Um, I'm basically asking if he's a wide receiver, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because we saw what Juju was becoming, and I think it's what Juju was being drafted this year as, like what we had hoped he was going to be, and he was really, really good the last month. Like, Juju was awesome. Like, 1,300-yard season in Pittsburgh, Juju uh, was back. Right. Um, now, look, Tony played 28 snaps, man. He went from six snaps to 28 in a matter of no time. And now they're down another receiver. They gave him two carries, and he had that explosive run of over 30 yards. There was the clip of him adjusting his gloves midair. Did you see that? The ball was literally midair, and he was playing with his gloves while going up <laughs> to make a catch. Like, he, he's a freak. We know he is, like... Like they very they very well could have just got Tyreek Hill 2.0 in their offense. Yeah. Like they went out. I, look, there is a chance, Dan. I we don't know how long um, Juju is going to be out, but like it didn't look good. His mom put up an Instagram saying he's fine. We know how bad it's been when you're in concussion protocol. Like yeah. there has been very few instances where the player has returned. Uh, in the, the next week. This game was, this game, they flexed Chiefs Chargers. This was the first flex of the year. They flexed it to Monday night, so, or to Sunday night football next week. So, Juju has the, like, extra day, but he, I don't think he's going to return. Do I think Darius Tony could be a top 24 receiver? Yes. Do I think he's going to be? I don't know. I was in the wait and see camp this week. Um, John, we got a, John and I got a lot of questions on the Better Sports Network on Sunday, like, Canarius Tony or who? Canarius Tony or who? And it was like, I kind of wanted to wait and see because... John had him in the contrarian plays video. Yeah, and, and and I think it was a... Look, Patrick Mahomes is playing at a, at a level we've honestly never seen before because he's playing without Tyreek Hill and he's playing as well as he ever has. And I think it's worth... He was definitely worth the dart and we saw what happens when he gets an increased <clears throat> role. I think he can be. Um, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say he will be. I think that if you have him, right, or if you pick him up, this is where this is where I'll make my stance. I think that he's a weekly flex option with upside for what you just said. He's a weekly flex option with top 24 upside every week. And I think that is the case when Juju's healthy because Hardman's not there. And now we're seeing Tony doing with jet sweeps and we're seeing him involved in the passing game and even in the reds like dude sky's the limit for the package that andy reed and eric Bieniemy are gonna pack uh like get this guy um so i'll say weekly flex play if you're picking him up which is that he's a top priority if he is on your waiver wire um with the upside for a top 24 or better receiver do you have any interest in sky more <sighs> no because when you look at the snaps right Juju left that game. There was no um, Michael Hardman. Skyward played 16 snaps. You know who played all the snaps? Justin Watson. 
played all the snaps. 46 snaps. He played, he ran 30 routes. And honestly, again, all all track team, Marquez Valdez Scanling. <laughs> and you know what? He wasn't all track team because he had a, a very good game. He scored. Um, but he he's been running routes all year long. He's their deep threat. He's gonna continue to run routes. Sky Moore. Maybe if maybe if Kadarius Tony didn't exist, Sky Moore would have. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I I said this on Sunday show, and I think Sky Moore is the perfect example of somebody um, who we somebody who the masses had hoped and like drafted based on where a team drafted him, but like. He's just not being used, and people just still really hope Sky Moore is going to be this guy, and he's just not. Like this year, he is not right. Like he, he's not. Even in games, there's no Hardman. Juju leaves. Tony's only been there for a week and a half. He plays 16 snaps. Like Sky Moore this year for all maybe in dynasty. Like in dynasty, I'm sure he's a, a very valuable commodity uh, because he does have a lot of upside, and he was taken in the second round, and he is in a Patrick Mahomes led offense. 2022 redraft, he is a no-go from me, dog. Randy Jackson voice. All right. So we go from one second-round draft pick to another from the 2022 NFL draft. Christian Watson finally had the breakout game that we were all kind of waiting for. It only took it until halfway through the season. (laughs) Uh, He caught four of eight targets for 170 yards and three touchdowns. Um, And it seems like at various points throughout the year, we're we're always talking about you know, who could the wide receiver one in Green Baby? Could it be Alan Lazard? Could it be Romeo Dobbs? Could it be Randall Cobb? Uh, I remember when they played in London, Cobb was the guy that they were going to, and then he got hurt. Could it be Sammy Watkins, who's really just a week one wonder? Uh, Watson was the 34th overall pick in this year's draft, um, and somebody likened Christian Watson's three-touchdown game. Forget who it was on Twitter. I apologize. I'm not taking credit for this. But whoever it was on Twitter said Christian Watson's three-touchdown game feels a lot like Chase Claypool's four-touchdown game from a year ago. Could we see Watson emerge as the wide receiver one, or is this going to be – is it just going to be a fluid situation where it could be anybody any, any given week, and maybe next week it's Alan Lazard? I mean, I think there's a chance that Watson is – look, Lazard is – I think Lazard is – has always been more of the possession guy for this team. They just didn't have the big play ability with Watson just in and out of the lineup. I mean, even in this game, Dan, he dropped two passes in the first half. Yeah. And he looked, he didn't look great. And then he Rod- even left with an injury at one point. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, water is wet, right? He leaves, every, <laughs> he leaves, he's leaving every game with an injury um, at this point. And look, I think he's, I think that he could be the number one option because he is just faster than everyone that um, the was it the second touchdown dude, the route he ran on that second touchdown was so sick. Like he clearly has a very good understanding of the offense and, and is building a rapport with Aaron Rodgers. And I think, um, you know, but I do think Alan Lazard is typically going to be the wide receiver one in this offense, but there's no doubt that Christian Washington has more upside. We just saw yesterday. He just has, the big playability that few people have because of his speed, because of his physical attributes. I mean, he's a freak. Like he, his size and speed doesn't make sense. He's just one of those dudes. So um, I think Alan Lazard is still the number one option in Green Bay's offense. Like from a football standpoint, Christian Watson though has more upside fantasy. I think rest of the year. Who would you rather prioritize on the waiver wire if both are available in your league, Darius Tony or Christian Watson? 
That's a great question. Um, probably only talking shallow leagues here. So I'd yeah, definitely shallow leagues. Um, I would say Kadarius Tony. Um, I think that we haven't seen enough from the Packers offense as a whole. Like yeah. they're four and six. They lost five in a row before that Still game. Still bad team. They were down fourteen points into the fourth quarter. At two big plays to Christian Watson turns their season around potentially, right? Um, I still think that we're talking about one of the best offenses of all time. Like when we look back at like this Patrick Mahomes era, uh, maybe like the best offense of all time, right? Um, and there's just injuries galore over there. And I know there's injuries in, in Green Bay, like Sammy Watkins can't stay healthy. Romeo Dobbs is out. Like there's plenty of moving parts in Green Bay, but I think we both agree on like Patrick Mahomes over Aaron Rodgers at this point. And we both agree uh, Andy Reid over uh, Matt LaFleur and his play calling at this point. Even Aaron Rodgers was yelling at Matt LaFleur yesterday. So um, I will go with Kadarius Toney, um, but it's close. All right. Let's uh, let's talk Jeff Saturday in the Indianapolis. <laughs> okay. quick. I think we were all a little – we all jumped the gun a little bit. But at the same time, you know, it's nice that he gets the win – I still think the whole process of how he was fired uh, or how he was hired rather over experienced coordinators, everything like that, still very puzzling. Jim Mercer took a victory lap on Twitter today, but at the same time, they beat the Raiders and the Raiders defense is almost dead last in every defensive metric I can think of. They're, they're probably bottom eight, which puts them in the bottom quarter, bottom quarter of the league. Uh, but they're just so terrible. And even last week, I think they released Jonathan Abram. Uh, a former first-round pick. Like, the team is just in shambles. I know Josh McDaniels got a a vote of confidence from Mark Davis earlier today. Take it with a grain of salt. That team is bad. Um, I don't know. Like, it's it's nice for Saturday to go 1-0 and and win his first game. Uh, it, it's a no-brainer. Like, anyone with a brain could have, like, just known, like, if you're going into that, for your first career game, start Matt Ryan. Don't start Sam Ellinger. Right. Uh, whatever Frank Reich and that team were doing, declaring Ellinger like the starting quarterback the rest of the season, just forget about it. That was stupid. But now the Colts are four, six, and one. Four, they five, have, and one. Four, five, and one. Four, five, and one. So they have an outside shot of still making the playoffs. They need to be going with Matt Ryan going forward. Now, from a fantasy perspective, are we feeling better about the Colts? which is like Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, maybe even Paris Campbell. Are we feeling yeah. a lot better about them uh, going forward as to where we were a week ago? Or was this just the Raiders effect? Because I mean, next week, like, they don't play the Raiders every week, unfortunately. They get Philly. They have Philly that next sucks. week. But they do get um, Philly on a short week. They do get Philly on a short week. Um, to be fair, like, yeah, the Raiders stink, but, like, the Colts did too, so... They like they were so bad that they fired their like coaching staff, right? So <clears throat> to be fair, like Jeff Saturday obviously didn't face the Eagles in the, his first start, but like you know, not you know, they were a bad team too. Um, look, Matt Ryan got sacked only one time, Dan, and you know, coming into the year, being um, someone who profiles offensive lines. They profiled very well, and they paid their guys, and they brought in an offensive gu- uh, offensive line guy. Very hard to discount like that uh, in this game plan, right? Like, 
not only do we all week have we seen Jeff Saturday and, and the Peyton Manning clip where Jeff Saturday is like, run the damn ball, Peyton, run the damn ball. And Peyton's like yelling back at him. And Jeff's just like, F you, Peyton, run the damn ball. Like Jeff Saturday ran for 207 yards on in his debut, uh, only got sacked one time. Matt Ryan ran a very serviceable offense. Jonathan Taylor looked like Jonathan Taylor again. Um, yeah, the answer is yes. And you know what's funny? Before they went to Ellinger, Paris Campbell looked really good. And he looked really good again with Matt Ryan. Um, obviously, Michael Pittman, 53 yards, less to be desi- leaves some to be desired. But seven receptions on nine targets. You love the seven receptions. You love the nine targets. The answer is yes. Flat out, yes. If the offensive line is going to hold up for Matt Ryan, if the offensive line is going to hold up for Jonathan Taylor, we were drafting all these guys very highly. We held them in very high regards. People are picking the Colts to beat the Titans in the division. Um, so do I think they're going to win the division? No. But if Jeff Saturday is going to make a direct impact on offensive line, which was the clear issue why Matt Ryan fumbled 457 <clears throat> times in seven games, then yes, they have Philly. They have the Steelers. Very winnable game. They have the Cowboys. Probably tough. They have the Vikings. Definitely tough. They have the Chargers, the Giants, the Texans. Like, some winnable games in there. And, and you know, I think as long as Matt Ryan's under center and, and not in, under constant duress, then I, I do think that these these guys are, are fantasy viable again. All right. Last topic I want to touch on, and it's regarding a player that I've been – you know, I don't have any fantasy season-long shares of this particular player, but I am a bit of a Deontay Johnson apol- apologist strictly because – He's just a PPR gem, or he has been for the longest <laughs> time. He gets like eight to ten targets on a weekly basis. He catches passes. He's, his hands are so good. He gets yards. Just has a hard time getting into the end zone. And this year, he right. hasn't scored at all. We're coming off a week where the Steelers traded Chase Claypool a week or two ago. So it's really our first look at what this offense could look like. And, uh, yeah, he had five targets. I don't get it. Uh, he only had four catches. Still milked him for a good amount of yardage but still doesn't find the end zone the target volume has gone down i really don't know what to make of this offense and i'm almost at the point where i'm comfortable telling people you can drop deontay johnson yeah unfortunately seems like uh the alpha is no longer deontay johnson um and uh, especially when like the talk about like the jalen warren thing is now circling where you know, Jalen Warren is going to be involved and Najee gets 20 carries, but Jalen Warren gets nine and then Kenny Pickett's running a lot too. I mean, they ran 43 times, dude, which is, it hasn't been the case. And George Pickens seems to be ahead of Johnson in the pecking order, especially when they're driving the ball downfield or especially when they're in the red zone. It's not Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson does not get red zone looks at all. Um, and Friarmouth led them in target. So it, it's tough. Um, the only format, like I have him in a half PPR format, she just holds no value. Um, the only format, honestly, I'm holding on to Deontay Johnson in, and, and it's right now it's just like a bench, and maybe him and Kenny Pickett develop some type of rapport the rest of the year, is in full PPR. It's the only value he holds at this point. Um, no standard value, no little to none uh, in half PPR. And it's sad because uh, the volume has been tremendous throughout the beginning of his career. But, look, there's no Big Ben. Big Ben's not walking through that door unless he's the offensive coordinator next year, right? So, um, 
unless something drastically changed where Pickin goes Pickens goes down and uh it's just it's tough to get behind the, the bandwagon. I, I'm with you there. And yeah. All right, Grande. As we wrap up this podcast, I just want to pour one out for the London and uh, Munich games. We don't get any more early football games. I am an early bird on NFL Sundays. Uh, I'm always up, usually around 5 or 6 a.m. on the East Coast. It's usually when I do most of my DFS research as I'm, like, getting the fantasy alarm site ready uh, for the day and everything. I read Howard's playbook. It's always nice when I'm, like, site producing and answering questions. Uh just helping out like our subs and, and the family uh, just set their lineups and everything. So yeah, the Sunday morning games, they just make, you know, <laughs> they just make it easier for me. And, and I, I don't feel sorry if people complain that it's too early. 9am on the East coast is not too early to wake up for a no. football game that kicks off at nine 30 West coasters have a better excuse if they're trying to get up at six 30, but even then, right. if you're a grown adult, you can get your ass up at six 30. But I'm going to miss the London games until next year. Uh, I'd love to see them expand it to maybe six, just for my you know, own sanity at least. But that's it. Just wanted to wrap it up and give a kiss goodbye to, to the <laughs> Hey, you know what, though? From what it sounds like, if you listen to everything Roger Goodell has been saying, <clears throat> sounds like we're going to have a division over there sooner rather than later, Danny. So, uh, yeah, I think give me, we'll give get... me, Put a team over there. Give me eight. Sunday morning games. Let like let's just have a Sunday morning football team. Put the Jaguars over there. I know Breland probably likes them. <laughs> just move that team to London. You know we can just call like the Jaguars will just be our Sunday morning team eight weeks a year. Just give the give the Jaguars their own spot every like eight weeks a year. Well, nine thirty a.m. And I mean the Jaguars just become our Sunday morning team. I mean like you could have put up so many other teams and you decided to go with the Jags. Like I get that they're like always going what else over there. Gonna move? It's a small market. I mean like it's anybody a small team. I mean anyone only move. Yeah, like who else Apologies are you to our Duval County listeners. Duval anyone but him. Like anybody but the Jaguars just move like any other franchise there so like the ratings don't tank. Because inevitably, you're not moving uh, either. You're not going to move Dallas. You're not going to move the New York teams. You're not moving the Patriots. You're not moving the LA teams. You're not moving the Bears. Uh, moving the Packers. Uh, yeah, we're just going to move a whole division over there by creating one. I mean, look, like, uh, where who can we move here? Let's run through. You're not, you can't move Buffalo. I mean, you could. Uh, no, Buffalo's safe. Miami's safe. The Patriots, you know, people could do without, but they're safe. Uh, the Jets are safe. <laughs> Um, but well, how do you move a whole division? Because I feel like if you're going to establish teams in Europe, you need eight teams. So you have four in the AFC and four in the NFC. I think they want to. I think he wants. Goodell was talking about like creating four new teams, like four European teams. They're like how do they 36, the 36 NFL teams, <laughs> dude. Look, we know NFL money, money, money. Doesn't matter what. Did you see like the pictures of Germany yesterday? Like were insane. Like you're telling me that they couldn't like get a franchise over there and No, and, they could. Oh my god. So uh, I agree. Like I don't get like how it would work for like the AFC and NFC. I guess I guess that's a fair that's a because you'd have like five divisions for the NFC that's and a five very fair point. and then have four for the other one. That's a fair point. That's um, why you need eight. So you can have four teams in each conference. All right. Four 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 German teams. Four <laughs> uh, No 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 you can spread it to four like, London teams. Put two teams in England. You can put a team in Germany, one in Italy. Uh, give the French 
a team that's the French a team. <laughs> it's gonna suck. Uh, give Ireland a team. My God, a team in Dublin. <laughs> and send and yeah, team in Dublin. Great. That's that's like going to um, that's like going. It'd be like another like going to Miami situation for teams. Like two teams in Spain, Barcelona, Madrid. Well, they're doing the um. Where's the uh? There is one more um. Out of country game. Where is it? Mexico no, it's City. Be Mexico City. Yeah. Mexico City game. So I mean, they That's already have a usually foundation a prime there. time game though. Yeah, that is a prime. They'll be a prime time game, but they have a foundation there, so like you yeah. could spread it out throughout the world. But uh, Dan, uh, nobody can see us, and I'm only drinking water, and I'm also not going to pour it out because you know I don't want to clean it up after. But I'm theoretically pouring this water out uh, for the morning games as well. But like nobody. Also, last thing I'll say, nobody wants to see the Jaguars eight times a year at nine thirty. I would watch. I, I left it in the notes that I would wa- I would wake up at two a.m. on a Tuesday to. Say, who did I watch? Who did you do that anyway. You do that anyway. Yeah, it happens when you're an insomnia. But I would wake <laughs> up, like if there was a Tokyo game and it was on at two thirty in the morning or three a.m. I would watch the Lions and Jaguars play. Oh boy, I couldn't imagine fantasy football Twitter in those in those in those circumstances. Please don't do it. Entering the showdown stage. <laughs> Uh, but we've gone long. Uh, apologies for the last few minutes of this podcast. I really just wanted to touch on how much I'm going to miss the London games. Inspired. Uh, for my NFL Sundays. Uh, but Grande, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you and the FA Nation in week 11.